Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning and you would, find with me 1 Samuel the 19th chapter as we are going verse by verse through this book. And before I do that, I have three cards this morning that I would like to read to you. If you're new or a guest here with us this morning, I try to read these cards when they come in as a reminder to our church that how we love each other matters. And I hear that all the time from people. Well, I wouldn't come to a church your size. It's too big and nobody will know me or nobody will care. I'll just be a number and not a face. And so I try to read these cards every single week to remind you that people matter. And uh, Ten Mile Church family, we are grateful to be a part of such a wonderful church family. Thank you for the snack box while our youngest had COVID. We appreciate the prayers and you thinking of us. That is from Mike, Marlene, Marcy, and Mela Kunico. Second card that I have for you is from the high school. Thank you for the back-to-school care package. We appreciate you thinking of us from the Hamilton County Senior High New Teachers. And this is a thank you card for gifts that we give every new teacher to our district. We invite them to church and just thank them for being here and for praying for them to be a good year. And the third card is, To my Ten Mile Church family, God is good all the time, and always present in all circumstances. It is true that this, His church are His hands and feet on earth. My family was deeply moved and comforted by the outward expressions of love you showed during our time of grief. Thank you all for the cards, messages, phone calls, and beautiful gifts, and for being there for me and my family when my dad passed away. God blesses us with exactly what we need when we need it the most. Thank you all, and God bless Melissa, Tyler, Reeves, and all of my family. We are so thankful to call Ten Mile our church home. And so that was from Melissa Reeves at the passing of her dad here recently. And so as a reminder that you don't just come and sit on a chair. You don't just come and hang out for an hour and ten minutes. You are a part of a family. And that should matter. And that you do matter. And so today we're on the fifth part of our series, Overcoming Personal Attacks. And personal attacks are something that are very what? Personal. It affects you as an individual. It's an attack on your family. It's an attack on your children. And it's something that rocks you to the core. But it sometimes doesn't seem so much like a personal attack. Sometimes the difficulties that you're going through can seem more like a, a storm, a spiritual battle. And, and so today I really want to encourage you that as we're going through this today, not to view this as someone else. Because... All of us go through personal attacks. You will have enemies. You will have people that, that spread lies about you. You'll have, you'll have things that happen. And so don't think that, well, I've not been through a storm or I've just came out of a storm because whether you're in the storm or you have just come out of the storm or you're probably headed for one, that these principles apply. And so the first week we looked at how God prepares His people. God has been preparing you for what comes next and for what you're going through long before you got to where you are today. That God is with His people. That God does not abandon you when the waves begin to beat your vessel. 
when the storm seems to rage at its hardest, when things begin to become the most difficult. But not only does God prepare His people and that God is with His people, God provides for His people. God is not just watching you. He is working in the midst of what you're going through. And fourth, we looked at that God's love will shine through His people. In every situation, no matter how bad it is, no matter how vicious the situation gets, if you respond in the Spirit, the love of God will shine forth. But if you respond in the flesh, the flesh will shine forth. But this morning, on part five, I want to show you how God works. How God works in the middle of those difficulties. And so, we've got a lot of Scripture to get through today. So if you'll just stand with me and let's pray, and then we'll jump right in. Father, today I thank You for the wonderful privilege to be in Your house. I thank You for the wonderful privilege to worship You, Lord, in a country where we still can. So, Father, I pray, Lord, today that You would help Your messenger, Lord. You know how weak and broken and sinful that I am. And so, Father, I just pray that You'd forgive me of any sin and things in my heart that would hinder what You're trying to do. Father, I pray for this group of people that You would open our ears and our hearts to what You have for us today, that You might make us into the individuals and to the church that you want us to be. And Father, I ask it all in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And as you're sitting, I just again want to thank you for understanding today that we're doing things a little different. And so uh, with Jamie not being able to be here and not having Sunday school in church, uh, uh, I told everybody yesterday, I said uh, in the announcement, I said, if you want to come to the smaller service, come to the first one. And I'm afraid everybody took my advice because the first service was quite large today. And uh, But we will have church tonight and we will have our quarterly business meeting. And we want you to be here tonight for that and to be a part of what God's doing here at 10 Mile. But the first thing I want to show you is there are two ways that I believe that God works in our lives when the storms are raging on. And the first is this. Sometimes God works through miracles. Today, I want you to know that you should believe that your God is a miracle-working God. Uh, we have seen in certain movements of the Christian faith some people who think that it's all about the supernatural, it's all about the miracles, it's all about the flash and bang of what God can do. And because of that, we as Baptists have swung the pendulum so far the other way that God doesn't do anything. That God can't work, that God can't move, that God can't, God just can't. And friends, I think that is just as dangerous as becoming so charismatic that you lose what the Bible says. But friends, you should believe that God still changes lives, that God still heals the sick, that God still does the miraculous work of moving and changing lives. And this morning I want to show you that because all of us need to be reminded from time to time when situations become overwhelming, when things seem out of control, that God works through miracles. How we got to this point in 1 Samuel chapter 19 in verse 18 is one because it comes after verse 17. But what we've seen is that Saul hates David. Saul has tried to kill him now multiple times. He had to try, he tried to have him murdered in his bed while he was sleeping. And this is what happens in verse 18. So David fled and escaped and went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he 
And Samuel went and stayed in Naoth. Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Naoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. And when they saw the group of prophets prophesying, and Samuel standing as leader over them, the Spirit of God came upon messengers of, Saul, uh, of the messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time. Excuse me. And verse 21. And when Saul was told, he sent other messengers, and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time, and they prophesied also. Then also he went to Ramah and came to the great well that is at Shekub. So he asked and said, Where are Samuel and David? And someone said, Indeed, they are at Naoth in Ramah. So he went there to Naoth in Ramah. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also, and he went on and prophesied until he came to Naoth at Ramah. And he also stripped off his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all the day and that night. Therefore, they say, is Saul among the prophets. And I want to apologize for my reading there. Just wasn't quite very well. But I want to describe to you what has happened. David has went to Samuel and they have went to where the prophets would have lived and they would have served and it would have been a safe place. And so David is here with Samuel. So Saul decides, well, I'll send some people to go kill David. Not a hard thing. He sends probably three people, four people, we don't know how many, who go to kill David. Well, they don't return. Someone comes back and says, they're praising God. They're testifying to the good works that God is doing. Well, he says, okay, I'll send some more people. And if I'm Saul, I'm probably, at first, I'm sending the low-level people, right? It's kind of like at our house, if I need something, and Tony is not in the room with me, I'll start by usually sending whatever kid's there, right? Hey, go tell your mom this. Well, when nothing happens, then I usually tell an older kid, right? Because the older kid usually understands better. <coughs> well, if that kid doesn't come back, I'm usually like, Kylie, come here, you're the oldest. You can tell your mom something. And then I send her. And that's probably what Saul does. He sends people he thinks he can trust the first time. And then he thinks, well, they've betrayed me. So he sends some more people. And they don't come back. They're prophesying to God. So then I'm guessing he sends probably the best of the best. And they go. And they don't come home. So Saul does what any of us would do. If you can't, you can't find good help these days, right? I'll just do it myself. So Saul loads up and he says, I'll go and take care of this. And this is where things get interesting. And this morning I want to show you why this is so miraculous. If I'm David and I'm Samuel, the earthly response is this. Saul didn't send his whole army. Saul didn't even send a bunch of his army. They could have just killed him and never thought anything about it. They could have sent the first group of messengers, killed them, hid the bodies. Now, I don't do that, okay? You all looked at me a little really creepy there, right? They send the second group. They could have killed them, never said anything about it. He could have sent the third group, and they could have killed him and done nothing about it. But who would have got the glory in that? But God says, I am going to get the glory in saving David. And some of you need to quit fighting your own battles and let God 
fight them for you. And so Saul shows up, and I want to show you how significant this is in verse 23. So he went there to Naoth in Ramon. Then the Spirit of God was upon him also. You see, the other people, they when they got there, they started prophesying and speaking the Word of God. Saul didn't even get there, and God starts working on him. God starts beginning to do this in his life. And so in verse 24, and this is where it gets weird, and he also stripped off all his clothes and prophesied before Samuel in like manner and lay down naked all the day and all the night. Therefore, they say, is Saul also among the prophets? I would have said, why is Saul naked laying in the ground? But that's a whole different question. But I want to explain that to you today. How you come into this world is what? And how you leave this world is with nothing. And friends, what God was showing Saul was this. You came into this world with nothing. And you'll go out of it with nothing. And friends, this morning you need to know something. Everything you have in your life, every blessing is because of God. You say, no preacher, I've worked hard, I've succeeded, I've pulled myself up by my bootstraps. Look up here, God could have stopped you at every step along the way. Every blessing from your family to your salvation to your wealth is because God has allowed it to happen. And what this would have been was the ultimate action of humility. How many of us have ever had a dream, a terrifying nightmare of being somewhere with only your underwear on and other people there? Nobody? Somebody, some of you have? You've probably seen it in movies, right? That's a nightmare that I have, that I get up here and I have my suit, my tie, my coat on, and just my underwear. And you're thinking, that's a nightmare I'm going to have now, amen? But it <laughs> would not be as near as a nightmare of what happened to Saul happened to you here. But anyway, this is what happens. And so what we see is God, that's, you're going to catch that on the way home and think, oh. But anyway, Saul is completely laid out before the world to see. And before God that he has nothing. He has nothing at all. And friends, I want you to notice this this morning. God used Saul. But God and Saul did not have a relationship. And my prayer as a pastor is this. God, do not let me preach all these years. Help all these people and die lost. Because friends, I want you to know something. You can serve God and be lost. God can use you for His glory and you be lost. Friends, there will be pastors in heaven that have preached sermon after sermon after sermon but never really knew Jesus. There will be Sunday school teachers who have taught and taught and taught who will die and go to hell because they never knew Jesus. There will be deacons who, who, who everybody thinks are saved and they have served for years, but yet they will die because they never knew Jesus. And friends, my question to you this morning is this simple question. I don't care what God's allowed you to do. I don't care how much God's allowed you to accomplish. Today, have you truly been born again? Do you really have a relationship with Him? Because if you don't, today you need one. God will save you from your sins. He will do the miracle in your life. Because I want to show you how God works miraculously. Sometimes God works miraculously to deliver us. 
And sometimes God works miraculously to correct us. In Genesis, the 19th chapter, talking about Sodom and Gomorrah, God miraculously and powerfully brought judgment upon these cities. Listen to it in verse 23. The sun had risen upon the earth when Lot entered Zor. Then the Lord rained brimstone and fire on Sodom and Gomorrah from the Lord out of the heavens. So he overthrew those cities, all the plain, all the inhabitants of the cities, and what grew on the ground. But his wife looked back behind him, and she became a pillar of salt. And Abraham went early in the morning to the place where he had stood before the Lord when he looked out toward Sodom and Gomorrah and toward all the land of the plain. And he saw, and behold, the smoke of the land which went up like the smoke of a furnace. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. You see, God is powerful. God has authority, but God still showed mercy on Lot. And so this morning, I want you to know that God is going to bring judgment on his enemies. God will bring correction on his people, but God is willing to show mercy to you and I this morning. But this morning, God also uses his miraculous power to deliver his people. In the book of Luke, the fourth chapter, Jesus had made a group of people extremely mad. And listen to what it says, starting in verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. And if you have your translation, it might say miraculously. However God did it, He gave him the ability to walk right through that crowd and them go from not wanting to kill him to not even knowing where he went. And friends, God can miraculously work in your life and in your marriage. God can remove enemies from your life. God can miraculously put relationships back together that have been broken. God can heal emotional and spiritual wounds. God can heal the sick. God can do miraculous things when He chooses to. And as His people, we need to believe that God is still able to do miraculous things for His glory. And so the second thing I want to show you this morning, this one's not near as flashy, this is not near as attention-grabbing, but sometimes God works through other people. Sometimes God works through other people. Look in verse 1 of chapter 20. Then David fled from Naoth and Ramoth and went and said to Jonathan, What have I done? What is my iniquity? And what is my sin before your father that he seeks my life? So Jonathan said to him, By no means you shall not die. Indeed, my father will do nothing, either great or small, without first telling me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. <clears throat> then David took an oath again and said, Your father certainly knows that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said, Do not, not let Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, there is but a step between me and death. So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. 
And David said to Jonathan, indeed, tomorrow is the new moon and I should not fail to sit with the king to eat. But let me go that I may hide in the field until the third day at evening. If your father misses me at all, then say David earnestly ask permission for, of me that he might run over to Bethlehem, his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he says thus, it is well, your servant will be safe. But if he is very angry, be sure that evil is determined by him. Therefore, you shall deal kindly with your servant, for you have brought your servant into a covenant of the Lord with you. Nevertheless, if there is any iniquity in me, kill me yourself. For why should you bring me to your father? He goes to Jonathan and says, what have I done? He says, what have I done to make your father hate me so much? He, and Jonathan says, he doesn't hate you. He doesn't want to kill you. Jonathan believes his dad, but he also believes David. And so he says, I want you to do this for me to prove once and for all if your dad hates me and your dad wants me to mur be murdered. And Jonathan says he will. I say this this morning, and I want you to hear this, church, because that's what God does when He brings a church family together. You don't have to come here and worship. You don't have to. You can skip all you want, but you get to. You don't have to sit in Sunday school with other people, but you get to. You don't have to walk beside families when they lose loved ones, but you get to. You don't have to pray for the sick and those who are hurting and are broken, you get to. You don't have to care about the lost and those that are hurting. You what? You get to. And as a church, God wants to use you and I. God wants to make a difference in the lives of people. And this morning, I just want to say this. I hear this from people all the time. Jake, I've been coming to church there and I don't know anybody and it's too big and and I just don't feel like I'm a part. And I want to say this. If you only come once in a while on Sunday morning, you will never feel like you're a part. But I want to encourage you that on Sunday nights we meet again and half of us are here. And so you can get to know half the people much easier than trying to get to know all the people. You say, well, Jake, I come on Sunday mornings and Sunday nights and I still don't feel like I know everybody. Well, I want to invite you to Wednesday night because there's half of us at that one. And it's easier to get to know half of the half rather than the whole at one time. And so I just want to say this to you. It is impossible for me to speak to everyone on Sunday morning. And as the Kingman used to song in their, uh, in their song excuses, the pastor didn't even shake my hand. He is so stuck up. It is not because I didn't want to. It is because there's a lot of you to see. But I promise you, if you come back tonight, it'll be much easier for me to say hello to you and ask you how you're doing. You say, preacher, I came Sunday morning and Sunday night and you didn't speak to me at all. That's probably because I knew you'd be here on Wednesday night and I could talk to you then. Why? Because, friends, I'm telling you this morning, if you want to be a part of this church and you want to be a part of making a difference and you want to be a part of using your gifts and serving God, there is nothing stopping you but what? Yourself. Because we want you to be a part of it. We want you to be used by God. We want you to help love the hurting and the broken because I want you to know something. Loving the broken and the hurting and the downtrodden is bigger than a job than we can handle. And we want laborers to serve God and to be used by God to make a difference. And so I ask you this morning, if I was to ask you today, 
testify to how God has used other people to make a difference in your life. You could probably give a list a mile long. I remember that time when we lost a loved one and they were there at our house immediately to pray with us and care for us. Or I remember when we didn't have enough money to pay the electric bill and they showed up with just the right amount of money at just the right time. I'll never forget when I was depressed or discouraged and God sent them to be a friend in my darkest hour. It's what I pray for my kids as they grow up that God would send them godly friends that will encourage them and love them and and will help them in their walk with the Lord and not be a foolish heathen like I was. It's my prayer. And so today I ask you that because I want you to know that God can use people to either bring judgment or bring deliverance. We're studying through the book of Jeremiah on Wednesday night, and it's a wonderful study, not because of the teacher, but because of the book. And in that book, God uses King Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the Jewish people and the city and the nation. And I want you to listen how he is described by God in the book of Jeremiah, the 43rd verse, chapter 10, excuse me. And say to them, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will bring, send and bring Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. What's those next two words? Nebuchadnezzar was not a Jew. He did not love God, but yet God used him for a purpose. And friends, I do not want to be used by God to bring judgment into other people's lives. I don't want you to be used by God and your sins and your mistakes and your heartbreaks and your baggage to do that to the lives of other people. Today you're saying, Jake, what do you mean by that? Friends, I want to ask you this question. Have you ever struggled to forgive someone? Don't answer that because we all have. I want you to know this. If you are a Christian and you are struggling to forgive someone, God will keep bringing people into your life that you have a hard time forgiving. You say, well, that's not very fair. God knows that I struggle with that. You know why He does that? Because He refuses to leave you how you are. You say, well, Jake, I struggle with pride, but yet God keeps bringing people into my life that keep challenging me on my pride. Guess what He's going to keep doing? He's just going to keep sending them. Because God loves you too much to leave you the way that you are. You see, God loved you when He saved you, and He loved you too much to let you stay in the state that you were. And so God is going to keep sanctifying you. God's going to keep growing you. You say, Jake, I just seem to keep having all the stupid people show up where I work. Why is that? Maybe because you're not very long-suffering or patient. God's trying to teach you that. You say, you're telling me that if I learned to be patient, I wouldn't have to deal with stupid people? No, I think that's something we're all going to have to deal with. But I'm telling you, if you notice in your life and you watch back to what you have been through, you will notice that God probably was trying to show you and to work in your life in different areas to make you who God wanted you to be. You see, most of us, if it was up to us, would stop growing in our Christian faith the moment that it got hard. The moment that it got difficult, we'd say, hey, whoa, I'm saved, I'm going to heaven. I don't need any more to be like Jesus. That's not what God wants for you. And so God loves you too much to leave you where you're at. But I also want to show you this last thing today. And this is the last thing I want to show you about how God uses us to be a part of delivering other people. 
In the 10th chapter of the book of Luke, starting in verse 25, it says these words. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and as your neighbor, as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, Who is my neighbor? I want to stop right there. And I told the first service this, and I got some really ugly looks, and I'm going to tell you this as well. This is probably my least favorite parable that Jesus teaches. And this is why. I don't know if you've ever struggled with loving certain groups of people. I have a hard time understanding Christian love to someone who kills American soldiers. I have a hard time loving people who can ambush police officers. I have a hard time loving people who are trying to destroy the country that I think that God has given us. Now, I know what you're saying. I can't believe you just said that, preacher. I'm just honest enough to say it. But yet it says to love your neighbor. And you say, well, Jake, those people aren't considered my neighbor. But I also want to be very clear here. And I'm going to explain this after we read this today. That me loving someone does not mean that God has appointed has not appointed the appropriate means to respond. But look what it says here in verse 29. And I want to read this because this man is asking for one reason, to make himself look good. But he, wanting to justify himself, said to Jesus, And who is my neighbor? And Jesus answered and said, A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing, wounded him, and departed leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down the road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he arrived at the place, came and looked and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, the most hated person to the Jewish people, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And he sent him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, Take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said, he who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, Go and do likewise. You see, the Jewish people hated the Samaritans so much because they were of Jewish lineage who had married into pagan families. And they had had children and offspring and they worshipped differently. And they, as you remember the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. And so today I want you to know that if I'm going to stand in this pulpit and preach to you that I believe that Jesus Christ died for the sins of every human being, then I have to be willing to love every single human being and believe that God has died for them 
and can save them. Now, I want to throw this disclaimer out there. Some people take this to mean then then we should never do anything to anyone. This is about vengeance. The Bible says that I am not to act in vengeance, but the government absolutely has the right to respond in a way that deters people from murdering United States soldiers. The government absolutely has the right to punish by death people for certain crimes like murdering a police officer. The government has that authority that God has given them. But guess who doesn't? Jacob Gray. And so it is not my place to hate those people. It is not my place to do that. But yet it is my place to love them and to pray that God would show mercy on them as long as He leaves them here. But if the government says you have committed a crime, the Bible says that there is punishments that do require the death penalty. And so today I want you to know that it is a heart issue when you love other people. You say, Jake, you just don't understand what my son and daughter-in-law is like. You just don't understand what my ex is like. You just don't understand what my family is like. You just don't understand, Jake, there is no way that I can love those people. There is no way that I can love those people that vote differently than me, that think differently. There's no way I can love those people that live next to me, that, that, that keep having their dog defecate in my yard. I just can't love them. But friends, I am telling you, you can. You can still love people and, and turn them in for breaking the law. That's not what it says here. You see, we have lost the identity that love and truth are not together. The truth is still the truth no matter what. But it's love. You have to do what you do because you love God and love people. And that's what we see here. That God is working through other people. And friends, I want to close with this. But that's what salvation is. Salvation is a miraculous work that God does. God sent Jesus to be born of a virgin. He lived a perfect life. He died on the cross in your place and mine. He miraculously arose from the dead by the power of God. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. He could. He died to save you from your sins. He is the one that convicts you through the power of the Holy Spirit. He's the one that reveals truth to us to refuse or accept. He does that. But yet, He says what? We are to take the Great Commission. Right? And what is the Great Commission? To go into all the world. Preaching the gospel. Right? How can they hear unless somebody preaches to them? How can someone hear unless someone tells them? And so today, friends, I want you to know that everything that God is doing and working and, and performing and, and, and orchestrating, He allows us to be a part of it. And so today I want to challenge you to believe that God can do miracles in your difficulties, but also be on the lookout for how God is using people to make a difference in your life. And friends, I want to challenge you this morning not to be too busy to look for how God wants to use you. And as we close today, I want to give you one warning. One thing about this whole story that breaks my heart the most. King Saul had been stripped of everything and he still wouldn't repent. How can you be in that state 
and still say no to God. But I'm telling you, that's how we are. Church, how many times do we grow cold to the things of God? I, I've said this numerous times. I don't know how many weeks in a row. It's, I think it's almost eight, nine, ten weeks. We've seen someone saved. We've seen someone baptized. We've seen someone join the church. But yet we still sit here and think, oh, that's nice. We're watching God at work. How many times has God answered your prayer and replaced, repaired relationships? How many times has God healed the sick and yet we come to church like, oh, yeah, that's pretty good. We grow cold to the things that God is doing in our life. And so today, church, I want to challenge you to not only believe that God can do miraculous things, to not only believe that God can use you and other people around you, but don't miss the warning and the blessings that God has brought into your path and reject Him and miss out on everything. So today as Monty comes and Janice comes, I'm going to ask that you stand and bow your heads with me. And here in just a moment, they're going to sing and play. And this altar is going to be open. And we want you to come and pray. You can pray where you're seated. But today, if you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, truly know Him, today could be that day for you. You say, Jake, I, I, I've taught Sunday school. Jake, I've come to church my whole life. That, none of those things matter. Have you been born again? And so this morning, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want you to think about that for just a moment. Do I truly know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior? The things you've done for God are wonderful, but they're not enough to get you to heaven. The way God has used you in your life is wonderful, but it's not enough to get you there. You must be born again. You say, Jake, I'm too young, I'm too old too rich, I'm too poor, I'm too bad, I'm too good. No, today, if you come and call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You say, Jake, I'm saved. I know I'm saved, but I've let my faith grow cold. I've got sin in my life. Today, you can come and God can restore to you the joy of your salvation. And so I'm going to pray very briefly and then every head bowed, every eye closed as we begin this time of invitation. Father, I thank you so much for the privilege to preach your word. I thank you so much, Lord, for what you're doing in this church. Lord, we are not perfect. We are sinners and we make so many mistakes. But Lord, thank you for being gracious. And so today, Lord, I pray that you'd have a mighty work for your glory and your glory alone. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, as you have been listening to this sermon, maybe you have been thinking the Holy Spirit's been working that I'd like to know more about Jesus. I'm not sure if I've ever been saved. Please reach out and contact us. We would love to share the gospel with you, pray with you with whatever's going on in your life. Or maybe you are a believer, but yet you've got some spiritual battles that you've just not been able to conquer. We'd love to join you in that battle. So please reach out to us. We would love and are waiting to hear from you. May God richly bless you in Jesus' name.